Most people groups around the world have some sort of explanation as to the origin of the universe. Uh, all of those explanations were handed down by word of mouth from generation to generation. And these explanations of, of the beginning of this universe or where the world came from, all of those explanations can be divided into different groups. Uh, some people hold to the world parent theory that everything came into being by the, by the union of, of two primordial parents. And as those primordial parents came together, their offspring is, is where the world came from. Uh, there's the emergence theory. Uh, miscommonly described the creation of people in some sort of supernatural metamorphosis through a series of subterranean worlds to arrive at this current place and form. I was working with a man one time, and he was Native American, and he shared with me that they believed that everything came from two gophers. They lived underground, and they burrowed up, and they came out from underground, and because of that, that's where we are today. There's the earth diver theory. A supreme being sent an animal into the primal waters, and he used bits of mud to build a habitable place. And that's where our universe came from. There's the chaos theory, where everything existed. It was just out of order. Something happened that brought it all back into order. And that's how we have our universe. There's the Big Bang Theory, where a giant explosion took place. And over time, as everything cooled, everything came together and life began. There's also the theory that we find in Scripture, and it's called creation. Of course, that's the one we hold to. It shares with us that God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. God bringing it into existence. Genesis is a book of origins. And Genesis records for us the origin of the universe. We need to look no further than the book of Genesis. God knew it was important that we understand that we recognize our origin. And so He revealed it to us in the book of Genesis. This morning, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Genesis. And this morning, we arrive at Genesis 1, verses 2 through 5. Last time we were together, we looked at Genesis 1-1, and several people were asking me, how long are we going to be in the book of Genesis? If we would have continued that same pace, looking at one verse at a time, we would be in the book of Genesis 1,534 weeks. So I thought we'd better pick up the pace a little bit. And so this morning, we're going to look at Genesis 1, verses 2 through 5. If you have your Bible handy, open it to Genesis chapter 1. Stand with me after you find it. I'll read it aloud, and you can follow along with me in your copy of the Scriptures. I'm amazed at how my Bible automatically opens to the book of Mark when I drop it. I'm excited that it's going to begin opening in the book of Genesis now. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Great God in heaven, we're thankful that you are creator God. Father, as we look into your word this morning and as we behold your creation, I pray, Father, this morning that our minds and our hearts might be filled with the magnificence of your creation. And I pray as a result of that, Father, our minds and our hearts would be filled with the magnificence of you as creator. So, Father, I pray that you would lead us in our study this morning, open our hearts and our minds to what we're looking at this morning, and help us to drink in what you have for us this morning. And I pray, Father, as we leave here this morning, we would realize how great a God you truly are. And it's in your Son's name that we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, there are two headings that we want to kind of use to steer us through this passage. The first thing we want to see is the darkness that dominated. And secondly, we want to see the darkness that was divided. Now, as we begin here, we want to look at verse 2 to begin with. And this is where we see the darkness that dominated. We saw last time we were together in Genesis 1, verse 1. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now I believe that as we read Genesis 1.1, it's a statement of fact. God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that as we read that, there's an emphasis there. It's kind of a, a thesis statement of what we're going to see following Genesis 1.1. God is going to reveal to us that how He created everything. We see there in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning He created everything. Now as Genesis 1 unfolds, and as we get to Genesis 2, we get to see the unfolding of what God shared with us in verse 1. This introductory statement is what's going to carry us into verse 2 and through the remainder of chapter 1 and into chapter 2. So as we look at this and as we think about this, we need to be reminded that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and this is how He did it. Now, as we begin here with verse 2, there's something that I, I want to emphasize. There's something I want to speak about as we begin diving into this. I want to share with you and tell you about the gap theory. Supporters of the gap theory believe that between verse 1 and verse 2, there's a gap. Now, as you look at your Bible, depending on how it's laid out, there might be a little bit of a gap that's there in your Bible. But that's not the gap that they believe in. The gap that they believe in is an indefinite time took place between verse 1 and between verse 2. This view became popular in the early 1900s. And these gap theorists, they believe that after verse 1, some catastrophic event took place, and then God had to recreate in verse 2. 
I have a trouble with that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and here's how he did it. In the early 1900s, science began to sway and began to look at the Darwin theory. The Darwin theory taught that everything just happened by the big boom theory, and everything evolved after that big boom. The church began to consider that information and think, you know what, there's got to be some way that we can put the evolution theory together with creation. There's got to be some way that we can intermingle these two. Now, if you have a Schofield Bible, in your Schofield Bible between verses 1 and verses 2, it'll talk about the gap theory. Dr. Schofield was a believer and a supporter in the gap theory. But as we look at Scripture, as we see what Scripture tells us, we have to consider, we have to recognize that God's Word is the basis that which we stand on. If it doesn't match God's Word, then we cannot believe it. And that gap theory was a way that the people of the church could begin to think, you know what, let's recognize this, let's bring this in, and let's accept this but yet there's no support of it in Scripture at all. There's a couple things that kind of led them to believe that. But when we begin inserting things in Genesis 1, verse 1, and we begin thinking that way in Genesis 1, 1, what happens when we get to Revelation 22 and everywhere in between? If we're already bringing question to God's Word at Genesis 1-1, then this book that we have on our laps, we really don't have anything that we can stand on. And so I think that as we read God's Word, as we move through this study in Genesis, we've got to move through it just like we do the study in Revelation. What God's Word says is what we've got to believe. And if it doesn't match God's Word, we are not to believe it. And I think God's Word has laid it out for us very clearly. Uh, one of the commentaries that I have, I think highly of this commentary. There's some things in it that I really agree with. But there's this thing that he says about the gap theory, and he is a supporter of the gap theory. And I just want to lay this out here just so you see uh, some of this thinking. The unknown interval between the first two verses of Genesis 1 is wide enough to embrace all prehistoric ages which may have elapsed, but all that took place from Genesis 1-3 onwards transpired less than 6,000 years ago. I believe in a young earth. I don't believe the earth is more than 7,000 years old. And there is science out there that shows the way we're expanding. We couldn't be over 7,000 years old. When Mount Rushmore erupted, people saw that. 1980, remember that? We lived in Colorado and we were covered with dust. We'd go out and, and wipe ash off of our car just like it was frost, all right, during that time period. Uh, so after the eruption of Mount St. Helens there in Washington, scientists roamed in and began dating stuff. And they found trees that were standing there a few days prior, 
and they dated those trees after being covered in lava millions and millions of years old. Some of the trees that were floating in ponds, they lost their bark and the bark went to the bottom of those ponds. And after a few years, they went to the bottom of those ponds and they found coal. They found oil where that bark had laid and piled on top of each other and formed those things. Not millions and millions of years later, but 20, 25 years later, where all of that lava poured down through those draws and valleys, parts of it looked like the Grand Canyon on a smaller scale. It didn't take millions and millions of years. It took a matter of hours with that lava and that mud flowing through there. And so we don't have to insert evolution between verses 1 and 2. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And when we look and consider all of what science has, we see it does not fit. So as we look at the book of Genesis, this is the foundation that we need to stand on, that we need to hold to. And if it doesn't match Scripture, then it's not true. Now let's look at verse 2. Verse 2. It says, the earth was without form, and it was void. As day one begins, the earth is in a unique condition. God created the earth, and it was without form. It was somewhat shapeless. It was unfinished. Kind of like a potter with his lump of clay. He has his clay, and it's on the wheel. And God is going to form from that lump of clay that he formed ex nihilio without, without oh, not ex nihilio. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, he formed this from nothing. He formed this from nothing. And he's going to form from this that he has everything that was to be. It was void. It was uninhabited. There was nothing on this lump of clay that he had. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Darkness is simply the absence of light. And here on day one, there was an absence of light. At this point, there was no light. Everything was covered in darkness here at this point on day one. God had not created light yet. He just had the beginning of what was going to take shape. Moses doesn't tell us that dark was over the earth. He says darkness was over the face of the deep. There's a Another element that's here. There's another element that's involved. And if we read just a little bit further in verse 2, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here in this instance, this, this deep was water. The, the earth was covered with water as it was beginning. Proverbs 8.27 says this, 
When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep. So we see a globe, a sphere, a ball here as God begins to form it, as it begins to take shape. And it's covered in water. 2 Peter 3 verse 5 says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God. Verse 2 says, The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, Ruach Elohim. We see the third member of the Trinity here. The Holy Spirit being involved. And the word hovering over means to move over. He was moving over the face of the deep. He was over the earth here in the early stages of its forming. The Holy Spirit was involved in the entire process of creation. Some people believe that God just spoke the world into existence and then He left it behind for it to unfold and maneuver and evolve into where it is today. That is not true. We see God the Father being involved in creation. We see God the Holy Spirit being involved in creation. And you know what? We even read in the New Testament that Jesus was involved in creation. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, remember that verse? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ involved in creation. Nothing came into being without Him. God the Holy Spirit involved. Nothing came into being without Him. God the Father there. Nothing came into being without Him. So the darkness dominated. At this time, the waters were covering the earth and water and darkness was there hovering over this unhovered, un unformed, lifeless material was darkness and water. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ there. The darkness dominated. But the darkness was then divided. Notice verse 3. And God said. Darkness was there, water was there, and then God spoke. Genesis 1 Verse 6, day 2, and God said. Day 3, Genesis 1, verse 9, and God said. Genesis 1, 11, also day 3, and God said. Genesis 1, 14, day 4, and God said. Genesis 1, verse 20, and God said, day five. Genesis 1, 24, and God said, day six. I don't know if you 
think this or not or recognize this or not, but there's a repeated phrase there. And God said. There are many who ask how it all began. Genesis 1 tells us, God spoke and it was so. Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God spoke, and it was so. God said, and it was so. Now, as we think about this, God did not have to speak to bring anything into existence. God could have just thought it and it come into existence. But God spoke and it came into existence. By God speaking and bringing it into existence, this removes all doubt, or it should remove all doubt, as to where everything came from. Because God spoke, and it was so. God spoke the world into existence and everything that we see. God said, God said, God said. Now notice what God said in verse 3. And God said, let there be light and there was light. That is so simple. Moses doesn't try to explain everything to us. Moses just says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, I got online, and I tried to find an easy description describing what light is. And do you know that light cannot be defined? There's, there's no really explanation as to what light is. I mean, there's explanations to what light is, but, but what light is really can't be explained. We explain what light does. We see what happens with light, but where light came from, what light really is, there's no simple explanation. Moses said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The one that is uncreated the one who is uncreated light, created light. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6, 1 Timothy 6.16 says this, Who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So there's no light. And God spoke, and there was light.
Have you ever flipped a light switch? There's no light, and all of a sudden there's light. Have you ever flipped a white light switch at Lowe's when it's not hooked up? Doesn't do a thing. I've even tried screwing them into the wall, flicking them. The wife said, wouldn't it be nice if there was light over there? Let's try it. We have one light switch in the parsonage. I've probably spent hours flipping it, just wondering. Garage door doesn't move. Lights don't come on. Keep waiting from some, for some guy in Canada to come and knock on the door. Would you quit flipping that switch? Turn out my living room lights every time you do that. Hasn't happened yet. But you see, God spoke. and There was light. God spoke. And there was light. Now notice what verse 4 says. God saw that the light was good. The light was good. God is the judge. Notice it says, God saw that the light was good. He's the one who determined that the light was good. It wasn't up to anybody else to make that determination, but God determined that. And everything that God created was good. Everything that God created was good. Genesis 1, verse 10. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1, 12. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1, 18. God saw that it was good. Genesis 1, 21. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.25, and God saw that it was good. Find in your Bible Genesis 1.31. I want you to read this along in your copy of the Scriptures with me. Genesis 1, verse 31. And God saw everything that He had made. Now, everything in the Hebrew means everything. Okay, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Everything that God created was good. There are people who say, if God is a good God, then where did evil come from? God must have created evil. Wrong. God saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was not just good. It was very good. Evil does not come from God. Everything that God created was good. The works of the Creator were good. There was nothing that God created that was evil. And notice, in each one of these verses, it was God who saw that it was good. God is the judge. Boy, that kind of seems strange. If God created it, how can He be the judge? 
Because God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly just. God is perfectly righteous. God saw it. And he said that everything was good. Everything was very good. There is no higher standard than the standard that God has. The standard that God has set. Everything was very good. Now notice verse 4. And God separated the light from the darkness. This is the first of three separations that we're going to see in this week of creation. Many have suggested that this is the moment that the earth began to rotate. So at this moment, the earth is a sphere. It is a ball. It is a globe. And at this moment, it began to rotate, taking on and completing its daily cycle, 24-hour period, rotating in a complete circle. God separated the light from the darkness and the cyclical pattern began. The cycle of days began. There was a period that was allotted for light and there was a period that was allotted for darkness. And it's been that way since day one. God named the opposites in verse 5. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God showed his superiority right here over light and over darkness. He showed his sovereignty over his creation because he named the light day and the darkness he called night. God's authority is stated here. It's recognized here because He's the one who named it. He's the one who made the decision. He's the one who spoke it. And it was so. He called the light day. And the darkness He called night. Do you know what's awesome about this moment? Day one. The sun and the moon aren't created until day four. There are many cultures who believe in the sun as a god, the provider of light. They worship the sun. God was here before the sun, and light was here before the sun. God created the light. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Now notice the last part of verse 5. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
that is like, as I read that, this is like a great conclusion. This is like, this is like the end of the program. You know, when you are watching your favorite program and it all unfolds and you're amazed how it unfolds and then it comes to the conclusion that you want it to and you get up and, and you're like satisfied with how it concluded. Do you, ever, do you ever do that? Am I the only one? I love those movies where you watch the movie and you walk out and you kind of feel a little bit like the main character. I mean... You come out of the movie theater, you just watched a good Western, you look for your horse. You ever, do you ever do that? Have you ever, have you ever been moved by a movie like that? You see this great love story, you take the love story in, you're like, that's so amazing, just how they could find a spouse like that. And then you look over at your spouse I won't go there. That might get me in more trouble than I'm willing to deal with. This is how that concludes, though, isn't it? There was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, there have been people who've looked at this and they've said, well, it was morning and it was evening but, you know, this word day, this, this thought here could be thousands and thousands of years. You know how when we look back to back in the day and we talk about our younger years and, and fond remembrance and we say, you know, back in the day I was six foot eight and 240 pounds of solid muscle back in the day. And this is how we did it back in the day. And everyone knows when we say that, that we're talking about a time period. There are people who look at this and say, when he says day, he's talking about a time period. So thousands and thousands and millions and millions of years can fit into this space here. Well, there's an interesting thing here. There is a numerical adjective that's inserted here. And when there is a numerical adjective that's inserted, it's speaking of a single day. When we say March 17th, 2010, we are not speaking about a lot of time we are speaking about March 17, 2010. We are referring to a single day because we've put that numerical adjective into our sentence. That is exactly what Moses does here. Moses doesn't say January 1st, year 1. He says there was morning and there was evening the first day. Day one is underway. Time as we know it is underway at this moment. And it all began right here. There are other places in Scripture that speak of creation as taking six literal 
days. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. As we move through this week, we are going to see that through God creating in just six days and resting on the seventh day, that God has established a pattern for mankind. And you know, this pattern that he's established is still being used today. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have seven days in a week. We don't have 10, we don't have 12. We haven't gone metric in parts of it and have five and unmetric in other places and have four. We have seven days of a week worldwide. There's a pattern that God has established. And it all began in Genesis 1. You know the thing that is mind-boggling to me? There was a point in world history where when people talked about God creating the world in six days and resting on the seventh, that it was questioned. Because God didn't need to wait six days to create everything. God could create everything in one day. So why would God take seven days, six days, plus one day for rest? And so there was a time period in history where people questioned God creating a world in six days because he could have done it in a day. <laughs> now we are on the other side of the history, and the predominant mindset is there's no way God could have created it in six days. It would have taken millions and millions and millions of years. You see, man's mind, the things that men believe, are always changing. I remember a time when eggs were illegal to eat because they'd kill you. But now they flip-flopped and eggs are actually good for you. I remember as a kid eating raw hamburger. I'm looking forward to when that'll be healthy again. Verse 5. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. There you have it. As day one began, darkness dominated. As day two came to an end, the darkness had been divided. And it was morning, and it was evening, the first day. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our lives tomorrow? You know what I think that we need to take home from this? is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? You know, I have questions about that, though. In the beginning, God created 
the heavens and the earth. It's black, printed on white paper. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's got to be the foundation that we stand upon. No matter what knowledge is gained later, it's going to one day be proven true without a shadow of a doubt. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know how it's going to be when we get to heaven, but I hope someone videotaped it because I want to see it. I want to see it. I think we can take home from this that God created everything in six literal days. I shared with you back when we looked at Genesis 1-1, the thing that I appreciated most about the doctrinal statement at Medina Federated Church is that it states that we as a church believed that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. It's under fire. It's been questioned. But God's Word says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was evening and it was morning the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and the sixth day. God spoke everything into being. God did not use evolution to create. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. I told you one of the greatest things that I was given as a child was the teaching that God said, and it was so. When I went away to college and they began teaching me other things, I would listen to those things. I would put their answers on their test. But I would say to myself, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that was what I stood upon. As we look at God's creation, we see that everything was good. Everything that God created was good. Evil, sin, didn't come from God. Everything that God created was good. One more thing for us to stand on. Genesis 1 is foundational for Revelation 22. Without a Genesis 1, or if we shoot holes in Genesis 1, then what prevents us from shooting holes in Revelation 22? Nothing. Nothing. All of it is inerrant and is trustworthy. If we start determining that it is with error, if that's not what it means, then where do we stop? So what do we pray about this week? As we pause for one minute at 9 o'clock to pray, let's pause and give thanks to God for His creation. Recognizing Him as Creator and thanking Him for His creation. Because God said... It was so.